0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And this is the podcast for a guy with a film degree. And a guy who knows how to whistle. Talk to you about movies.
1: See? I could have been the music in this movie.
0: Nice. I, I was going to ask if that was you or the phone.
1: <laughs> no. No. You're acting like I have several of Ennio Morricone's songs on my uh, phone. (laughs) Oh, I have to introduce the movie. So we finish up uh, (laughs) The Man with No Name. (laughs) We finish up The Man with No Name trilogy in uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly.
0: (laughs) That review coming up now on this episode of Froudy Points. Everybody, this week for our second film review, we once again went into the time machine, and this time we finished the end of an epic trilogy. Nick, that trilogy once again
1: The Man with No Name trilogy.
0: Yes, the climactic final chapter the good, the bad, and the ugly. The film. Per usual, directed by Sergio Leone. The film was written by Sergio Leone, along with Luciano Vince and, Zoli, and then the writing duo of Ingenor Irkochi and Furio Scarpelli, uh, known by their stage names as Age and Scarpelli. The film stars Clint Eastwood eli walsh and returning lee van cleef is is the is the
1: opposite of clint eastwood like west brick
0: i uh, flint flint west brick or that sounds better than west cement or <laughs> yeah west tile sounds like west nile yeah <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, Clint Eastwood obviously returning as well as uh, Lee. Eli uh, is the only brand new lead character in this movie. Um, <clears throat> I guess for our hot takes on it, um, I mean, wh- why should I take the stage? Nick, you have put us through this trilogy. That sounds way worse than it was. Uh <laughs> You Yeah, I was gonna say you're the one that made
1: October suck,
0: not me. <laughs> you you encouraged us to watch I'm what made it good. You encouraged us to watch this whole Western trilogy for October. Uh so the floor is yours, man. It's the end of the it's the end of the trilogy. What did you think?
1: Uh I want to start off, like I said, I got these movies as a birthday gift at the beginning of the month, and I I don't think my parents will ever hear this. Um, but they are the ones that gave me the movies, uh, for my birthday. So thank you to my parents. This is a fantastic birthday gift. All of these movies are some of like the best movies we've watched for the show. In my opinion, um, this movie is very much a much more ambitious movie than, uh, the last two. Um, it feels like it's got a broader scope. It's, it's trying to be a lot more grand. Um, personally, it's not my favorite of the trilogy. Um, it, that honor still goes to, uh, for a few dollars more. Um, this movie is much more pessimistic. Uh, each of these movies is, is different. Um, the, the first one is the happy movie. The second one is the dark story movie. And then this one is the much more pessimistic about the world movie. Um, I um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Um, I had uh, basically all of this weekend, uh, Kelsey had her wisdom teeth removed. so I basically was home all weekend because I was kind of making sure she was okay. So I didn't go do anything this weekend. So I watched this right after watching the uh, trial of the Chicago 7. and this movie made up for that movie um I, I I've said before one of my favorite songs of all time is the ecstasy of gold the blu-ray menu music is the ecstasy of gold like it just put me in a good mood immediately um and I I've got a funny story about my dad calling me at a point during this movie which we'll tell later um actually you know what I'll tell it now so um <laughs> my my dad recently He got a new TV, um, and my mom was out of town over the past weekend, so I'm watching this movie, and the previous weekend I'd gone up to his house, uh, to, uh, work with him and my brother-in-law and helping get his home theater set up a little better than it was after they moved the TV, and, um my dad got his new TV this week and he got it hung up on Saturday as I'm watching the movie. And I actually told my dad, I was start, like, I was going to watch the movie. And the point that I'm at is the most tense point in the movie. It's the final showdown. And I'm sitting there and it's like, Oh my God, like the music's swelling. And I'm like, if, if uh, Clint Eastwood and Tuco are smart, they kill Lee Van Cleef. And then they can split the money like they've been doing the entire time. But Lee Van Cleef will surely kill either of them to get the money. So if they're smart, they take him out. And then they can try and either kill each other or work out a situation where they split the money. And it's like zoomed in on Lee Van Van Cleef's hand. And it's twitching. And it's like in the eyes. and It's getting really intense. I'm like, oh, my God. This is just so amazing. And my dad called. (laughs) And I paused the movie. And I answered the phone. I was like, I'm not mad or upset. I'm just saying... You could not have picked a worse moment to call during this movie.
0: <laughs> and then what, and he's
1: like, "He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to. I just wanted to gloat about how clear the picture is." <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and I was like, that's, "That's hilarious."
0: I would have been like, "Dad, that's awesome. Give me two minutes, and I'll call you back." <laughs> but um, I give this sprinkles.
1: Uh, we will. Oh, that's loud. Um, we will give our rankings of the three movies of this trilogy at the end um, but this movie this this movie's great um, it it really feels like a much larger undertaking than the first two movies um, the acting's great I really enjoy the story I thought it was the least traditional story out of out of all of them because the first one is, the savior coming into the city. The second one is like a revenge story. And the, the third one is much more elaborate, like of like a heist type or not even a heist of like us finding a hidden treasure movie.
0: It's uh, sorry.
1: So I get, yeah. I gave it sprinkles
0: and then now, now I'm done. I, I agree that the best film in this trilogy not to spoil some of the list, uh, I agree with you that the second film is definitely the best one. And I'm confident enough to say definitely the best one. Um, This, I agree, was the clear... um, He clearly is upping the game every single time, Sergio. The first film is a pretty straightforward kind of traditional Western movie where the guy comes into a city in turmoil and he turns it around and then the second one is extremely personal it's extremely character driven the, the the characters are so fleshed out three dimensional and just it, it's kind of like two anti-heroes and then a supervillain like no one's really a hero and it's a, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful dynamic between the three characters the way the uh the way that Lee and Clint end up teaming up to go against uh John it's it's a, a, a Borderline masterpiece to me. I think it's one of the best westerns ever. And then this one, there's a lot to admire. I completely understand where how this stands as one of the best westerns ever made. I understand why historically people refer to this as like the quintessential, like ultimate western film. It is thematically rich. There's a lot of really interesting parallels between just the the the, the bounty hunters on their own and the West, and this is like their way of life and dealing with the elements and people versus the parallels of brothers fighting each other in the civil war and how those kind of like the conflict of men on that kind of scale in a macro level versus like the micro level of like just interpersonal, just kind of like, okay, well we sell our fights with guns and like how money and like it's, it's all these tiny superficial things just to get through a day Paralleled with the broader scope of like the America changing, and like you could draw like that at the end of the day, it's all some sort of greed or I mean things like that. Like not to completely ramble about the film thematically, but what I'm trying to say is is that like seeing the grand ambition of what Sergio wants to 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 make commentary on in about America through the through this Western story, I I just personally think it kind of bites off a little more than it can then it's it can chew. I think it's a little too long. I think,
1: this, I this is this is one of the times you will ever hear Dan say he thinks a
0: movie is bloated or too long, and I will emphatically disagree. I, it just it's some of it. Some moments, it's not the whole movie. There's some moments in this where I just, it, it, some things kind of ended up not really mattering that much to the broader. To,
1: to quote you, it's building atmosphere.
0: It's just some. It's, sure, I, I guess this time it just. Some of the stuff that happens as, like, B-stories didn't end up really mattering that much, and I'm just like, okay, well, now I see why it's three hours long, like, but it's not that, like, they're written badly or they're acted badly, it's just, to get to where we get to in the end, it's like, okay, well, I mean, could you have said this with, like, 150 words instead of 300, or, like, whatever whatever metaphor I'm trying to say. Like, could you, you couldn't have done this, like, a little shorter, like, a little bit smaller, but still had the same impact and message you're trying to say. But, basically, the main complaint I have is that, like, the movie's just really, really long. I kind of wish he could was, I kind of wish he condensed it just a little bit. Like, I wish there was a fourth writer to just kind of punch down the script, like, trim it down a little bit from probably 200 pages to, like, 150 or 60 something like that but again but uh things that are great about this movie and why i'm still giving it sprinkles <laughs> the acting is still amazing the 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 cinematography is still beautiful even though they change cinematographers he emulates uh the, the original cinematographer perfectly ennio morricone just every single movie his music just gets better and better I still think for a few dollars, the theme is my favorite single song. But in terms of like the entire score, like throughout the film, this movie has the most. Just every piece of music in this is just so grand and so epic. Uh, It really is. It's a extremely good movie. I I have reservations that I'll get more into detail with with some of the writing that kind of screws up the pacing for me. Kind of in, it's more of a distraction. I don't. I can't think of a more gentle way to. Still rave about a movie, but still point out a couple problems I have with it. But no, it's yeah. I it's good. It's very very good. I I'm mad it wasn't streaming for free, but honestly, the three dollar rental was absolutely worth it to to wrap this trilogy up. I I give it sprinkles too, even though I'm not as enthusiastic quite as Nick is. But there is a lot to rave about this. So I I've got a note that I want to point out. I don't know if I'm
1: I'm not entirely sure if you've ever made a note like this but I actually checked it the first line of dialogue in this movie is spoken 10 minutes and 39 seconds in
0: yeah that's a I I, I mean I didn't write that note but that's verbatim
1: I wrote that note like I it I noticed how long the movie was going without talking and I was like I want to know when they actually say the first line so I actually picked up my remote and I just held it and I was just sitting there and I was like alright when he when you hear a word pause it and I heard them start to say a word and I paused the movie. and 10 minutes and 39 seconds in.
0: That's verbatim. One of the IMDb trivia that I was reading a little bit earlier before he taped <laughs> this. Yeah, that is, that is verbatim. One of the IMDb trivias that 10 minute, ten and a half and a half minutes in is the first line of dialogue in this movie.
1: <laughs> well, this, so to kind of jump off of that, you know, the way that the movie starts out, I, I, I almost immediately, um, I've got, like you, I mentioned the music is is better. So at, like in the first ten minutes, I'm like the music's better in this movie, or not better, like. My my favorite song is The Ecstasy of Gold, but, like, collectively, like, they're trying harder with the music in this movie than they are in the other one.
0: Neo uh, is definitely challenging but, himself as each movie kept getting bigger yeah. and bigger to make the music. Like, I mean, does that make sense? What I said before, though, is that, like, my favorite song yeah. is still for A Few Dollars More's theme, even though, yes, I can admit that this movie, it makes sense why this movie's music is so iconic.
1: yeah. But like I like I've said, I my favorite's the ecstasy of gold. But my my second favorite might be the theme to for a few dollars more. Um, but early on in the movie too, I noticed it's got a darker tone. It's not a darker tone, but it's a much more cynical tone. It's it's casting and a much bigger it's I casting
0: find, a much bigger net with its cynicism in this film too.
1: But what's interesting is it's it's much more cynical about the world, and it's a movie that's like. revolves around hanging people really is what it is because it's it's another uh Clint Eastwood plays a bounty hunter and when he finds Tuco Tuco's worth I think like two grand
0: yeah two thousand dollars because he says repeatedly is this buyer worth two thousand (laughs) dollars like
1: and they're like, all right, well, we're going to hang him. And Clint Eastwood shoots the rope out, confuses everybody. And then Tuco gets away and they just rinse, wash, repeat with collecting the the bounty money. And the movie revolves around people being hung. And I actually, one of my notes is I was like, going to a hanging is a crate is like a wild idea to me. Like, I'm not trying to start a debate about corporal punishment. Don't, don't take that. Don't take this as me doing that. But like. You hear about, like, when they would do executions and stuff, they would offer up, I think, the jury could go, and the victim's family could go, and, like, the person being executed's family could go. And that's one thing. You know the guy. But, like, this, it's just like, oh, what are you doing today? Well, there's a hanging at 1.30, so we're going to go to that, and then we're going to go... Like have a picnic out by the out by the pond. You're just like you're for fun gonna go watch a guy die. That's kind of dark and bizarre.
0: Well, they didn't have Netflix back then. They couldn't binge episodes of uh, the Bundy tapes. Like
1: <laughs> that needs that needs to be a shirt
0: hangings. Night eighteen hundreds Netflix. <laughs> by the way, uh, Tuco was accused of pretty much everything (laughs) did you notice how many things he was accused of yeah well what's what's
1: funny is they would always read his charges and like i'm not even kidding you i was like if i was just standing there like just enough we get it he's bad kill him
0: just read the worst thing he did and we're good
1: and um another thing that i noticed kind of early on is Tugo Tugo keeps calling Clint Eastwood Blondie. My my dad's pointed this out to me since I was young because he always talked about this movie when I was a kid. He he calls him Blondie. Clint Eastwood's not blonde, so
0: he's a dirty he's a dirty I, blonde. It,
1: Oh, because my note was I was like, well, he keeps calling a blondie. Is it because he's a white guy down near Mexico? Like, is that supposed to be like a thing towards his skin? So I don't know.
0: Oh, actually, uh, when you put it that way, maybe I thought I thought he had kind of dirty blonde hair like me, like, like kind of brunette, but there's like a little bit of highlight naturally in it. Like I thought that's what they were talking about. Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, and then that's something a, else that's I a, noticed too a, about the structure of
0: this movie. What? Sorry, I, I was gonna say that's a question we we should ask ourselves too. What was what was uh, our favorite nickname for the man with no name?
1: It was uh blondie, Mancho, and what was the first one? Joe.
0: Yeah. I uh. I liked it. I like the blandness of Joe. Like it's a name, but it's also it's like uh it's like uh what they call uh plain or not plain Jane uh Jane Doe, like, it's just like a generic. Fine. I I don't know. I kind of like the genericness of this. That like, oh, he's just an everyman. He's an every. He's just a Joe. He's an everyman. Like so. That's how they get. They he has a name, but he's still the man with no name.
1: I like I like Blondie because it's a name that he didn't give himself. Someone else gave him, and he resp- he doesn't seem like he actually likes it. Um, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but something 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 that I noticed is each of the movies progressively has more main characters. The first movie is Just Joe, the second movie is Joe and Lee Van Cleef, and the third movie is uh, Blondie. Well, the third movie is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Each one, is, uh, Tuco is the uh, is the ugly, Lee Van Cleef is the bad, and Clint Eastwood's the good.
0: Oh, dude, that's actually a um, that's one criticism Clint Eastwood had was. Uh, I mean he didn't like the movie like I like the movie but he didn't like the movie and um, he didn't want to work with Sergio again Uh, he had problems with the way that Sergio was like a perfectionist like that kind of drove him crazy on set apparently even more in this one than the other two films but he also felt the need (laughs) to point out that uh, he kind of felt like he was kind of getting squeezed out of his own movies but and he said what you said the first one was me the second one it was two of us. If we keep making more of these movies, it'll be me and a whole damn Calvary.
1: There's like 47 people. Yeah. The good, the bad, the <laughs> ugly, the un- the unwashed, the unkempt, the unbaptized, the, uh, the tax attorney. Like,
0: <laughs> Dude, he, there's uh, just one last thing about how he didn't like Sergio. Um, uh, he refused to come to set, uh, like in the early stages of production because he hadn't been paid his $250,000 fee or given a like straight up given a car as part of his contractual <laughs> agreement to be in this movie. So like the fact that he wasn't paid before the first day of shooting or whatever day this trivia came from, like he was just like nope, I'm not doing it. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs>
1: So so that's kind of my conclusion of like the the structure of the movie. I've got notes right after that that I I remember like specifically making these for jokes, but I actually don't remember them at all. uh one of them is my baloney has a first name Wait that's not that I don't note. remember why I said that. <laughs> yeah my baloney has a first name. I have no idea why I put that note uh the one after that is a slap in the name of the Lord.
0: Was that when Lee was beating the crap out of of uh, of uh the 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 wife of the guy who buried the treasure? Um, I feel like that might've, that sounds like that's when you may have written that note
1: <laughs> that, uh, probably, um, well, I, your- I really don't. And then my, my favorite note comes much later in the movie. <laughs> Cause we'll, we'll talk about like the, uh, of course, we'll talk about the very end of the movie. Cause it's one of the most iconic scenes in Western history. But my favorite note that I took that I remember is when they blow up the bridge and it's man, they killed the f out of that bridge.
0: Oh, dude. Ugh. I don't want to do so much trivia like I did last time, but like, oh my god, there's so much there's so much trivia that like um I know I brought it up, but like when Lee was smacking that woman, he uh he allegedly told Sergio, No, I'm not going to hit a woman, even on camera. And she tried to assure him, like, I'm an actress, you can actually hit me, it's fine. And he <laughs> He said I live my life with a set of principles. One of them is don't kick dogs, and the other is I will not hit a woman <laughs> on camera.
1: When you said, I live my life, I really expected you to turn into Vindy's and be like, a quarter mile at the time.
0: <laughs> um, um, the, uh, but no, my, so... my, the only note that I really want to just, before we really get into it, the only no- I, honestly, I don't even have to read my notes. I just want you to know that, um, tying it back to, again, the smacking scene, I I did write, damn, smack the shit out of her. Because you don't see that now in movies. (laughs) Yeah. But then the other one was, um, oh, (laughs) when, uh, not to get so far ahead, but like, when they get to the graveyard, and it's just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, I just wrote in all capital letters, oh god, the spinning! (laughs) So,
1: yeah, well, I want to talk about that scene last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just because it's 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 the finale, and it uh, and it's like the most widely known scene from the movie and the series and w- westerns, pretty much. Um, yeah, of course. But to to break it down for people that don't know, basically the premise of the movie is uh, Lee Van Cleef is a bandit, and he's trying to get. Uh, he he knows that someone he worked with. Has the location of uh, where they buried treasure, and he's trying to find them. And then Tuco and Blondie meet each other as uh, Tuco's being taken in for a bounty, and then uh, Blondie kills the people that's with him, and he uh, he takes them in. And then they, like I said, they start committing the uh, rinse, wash, repeat bounty hustle. And they basically, as they're going their separate ways from doing that, uh, they... That's putting it a lot nicer than
0: what actually happens. Clint Eastwood literally leaves him for dead.
1: Well, I mean, I I think if he, you know, walks fast enough, he can make it or whatever Clint Eastwood's line was. Uh, (laughs) Um... But, uh, they're, uh this is all taking place during the civil war and the guy is currently in the, in the Southern army and he, th- that uh, Lee Van Cleef is looking for and uh, Tuco and Blondie, as they're going their separate ways, they come together again and they, uh, they encounter this guy and he's dying cause he's been ambushed and shot and he's, he's bleeding out and dying. So he tells Tuco the graveyard that it's at And then uh, he's about to die, and Tuco leaves to get him water. And then as he's doing that, uh, Clint Eastwood's character puts his ear next to him, and he gets told the name. So each of them knows half. One of them knows which specific grave to look in, and the other one knows what graveyard to go to. So the whole movie is about them trying to get to the grave to collect this money. And like I said, it takes place during the Civil War. And that is part of... Uh, it's got it's got the hanging aspect it's got the it's got the aspect of just trying to find treasure um, and then it also has the aspect of just a long drawn-out war uh, and just how miserable that is and it all mixes together for a fantastic movie but also a movie that just the world it takes place in you've you have this big grand story is pissing the wind compared to what's actually happening in the country
0: right that's I again I like the ambitiousness of this like and it, it logically makes sense that like the stakes and the scope of the story keep going and going but like for me it's just like it's just so much and just the style of like I don't mind slow burns that often, like, usually I can, I'm can i on board for, like, a slow burn and, like, a lot of time for, like, kind of just kind of side characters that people run into and you get to know them and there's actual character development, but, like, this time it was just like, oh my god, okay, this is, like, the drunk captain is now, like, the seventh secondary character we've met, like, Jesus Christ, when are we getting to this damn graveyard yet? Like, oh my god, like... <laughs> well that's that's the
1: thing with this movie too if it was like we've said this isn't our favorite it's the most ambitious movie and i can see why people would see it's the better movie i i have personal preferences that make me like the the second but um well it's got a
0: tighter story for if this
1: was if this was handled (laughs) if this was handled by a worse director it very easily could have been like how i felt about like rise of skywalker where it's like You've got too many storylines. You've got too many characters. You're throwing around everywhere. You gotta cut something. Um, if well, this if the, if this movie was done any worse, it it could have very. If it was done with a less competent director, it could have very easily been that.
0: Well, one thing about the the the, the story, like, I want to ask a question specifically about like how we focus and spend screen time with each of the three characters. Were you expecting Tuco to literally get the most screen time out of all three people? What was your question exactly? Was that surprising to you that throughout the movie it almost kind of seemed like Tuco was the main character? Like, Tuco has the most lines. He's like on the screen either with Eastwood or by himself talking to someone else, like, and he's got the whole, like, I got no friends. Oh, I know where there's money. Where are my friends? And then they show up, like, they're so and then he talks to his brother by himself for another scene. Like there's, it almost felt like this movie was about Tuco. And then Sergio was like, "Oh wait, this is a Man with No Name trilogy. We gotta figure out a way to get him in this." Like it almost felt like that he was. T- nah, it
1: it wasn't that it wasn't that surprising to me. Just because he's the main driving character of the story, like all the things happen because of his greed and his desire and his pursuit. Uh, like. I don't find it that shocking or surprising because, I mean, it. He, I don't see him greatly outweighing um, Clint Eastwood. Like, if it was, like, 70-30, yeah, it'd be a problem, but I don't but see him it, outweighing Clint Eastwood by that much. That's
0: how it felt to me, though. It almost, like – because Clint Eastwood, I mean – he doesn't really like, he's just kind of there as like the, the sidekick almost like he just happens to be, and happens to have to be involved with all this because of Tuco. Like it, that's what I'm getting at is like, it kind of didn't even feel like a man with no name movie in certain regards like that. Like, because like Tuco, like, yeah, Tuco. It's not just that like Tuco was a cause to an effect that affected Eastwood but we're still following Eastwood, like this is still Eastwood's story. It just kind of feels like uh, the movie wanted us to almost kind of see the movie through Tuco, and then Quint was the supporting character. It was kind of, that that was something that was weird to me, like especially in the first half of the movie before it really got into like the adventure and it was really them like as a tag team, like when it really more focused on them as a tag team. Like, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know what you mean, but I, I didn't get that
0: okay well I, I, that's I mean that's I, as long as the point I'm trying to make is at least yeah logic. like you
1: you conveyed your point you conveyed your point pretty well I don't agree with you on it but you conveyed your point
0: okay well that's okay that, And yeah that's that's fair I just want I just that's just how, how I felt about the first half of the movie I was like Jesus is this a freaking Tuco movie what is happening like <laughs> <laughs> not that he's so- bad Eli's great I do love Eli's performance by the way he I, I think he's great as Tuco
1: I've got I've got a note. I don't remember exactly what I'm referencing. Oh, I, I actually I take that back. What I think I'm referencing is the scene where uh, Tuco and Clint Eastwood are riding on the on the caravan, and Tuco sees like the a bunch of people coming towards him, and he's like, "Hooray for the Confederacy! Yay!" blah blah like stuff like that. And then they, like, wipe the dust off, and they're not gray. Their suits are actually blue, and they're from the north. I'm like, Tuco, you loudmouthed idiot.
0: Oh, that was so funny. Oh, actually, right before that, right before that, when they're on the caravan and they're passing a couple uh, dead bodies on the side of the road, did their voices not distinctly change?
1: Yeah, something was up with the audio in that.
0: I am 100% sure that that was the only time I noticed a scene was remastered because in 2014 was when they remastered this and redubbed the scenes that were never dubbed in English and uh Eli was still alive Clint was still alive but um Lee was st- or yeah Lee was dead Eli was alive and Clint was alive and I every other scene that was redone I frankly didn't notice but that one specific moment when they're on the caravan Eli's voice sounded way, way wrong. Clint Eastwood sounded old as dirt. Like it almost didn't even sound like he was voicing yeah. himself. I, I just wanted to know if you yeah. noticed that too. I think I wrote down that was like at ninety-one-ish minutes.
1: Yeah, like I remember, like my, like my head, like whipping. I'm like that doesn't sound right. Like
0: I, I, I think was, the film like, stock looked, looked different too. Mic. I think the film quality, like yeah. I, I think the film stock itself, like, the color correcting was just ever so slightly off, so it just felt like that was, like, inserted and just not matched with the original film yeah. negative.
1: Spe- speaking of the way that this movie looked and sounded, this was the uh, only movie out of the trilogy that I watched on my 70-inch TV downstairs. Um, oh, really? I typically watch... Yeah, so typically when I watch movies... I still typically watch them in uh in the stadium uh my man cave room uh because I prefer the sound system s- set up in there.
0: Oh, um, that makes sense. Okay.
1: And I'm not and I'm not saying like oh, the, the picture's on par with the with the 70 inch cuz what I'm about to say, it clearly is not, but um <laughs> Like I said, I own these on Blu-ray, and I remember when looking at 4K TVs, they were like, it will even upscale your Blu-rays to be pretty good, and so this is the only one I watched, and I remember watching the opening, and I was like, this looks like it was shot yesterday. Like, the the, t- the TV upscaled the Blu-ray, like, even more. Like, it looked really good.
0: Oh, dude, I'm sure it did. Like, I would have loved to watch this on your TV.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I watch movies occasionally downstairs, but usually it's like... I have to either be the only person at home or it has to be a movie that Kelsey wants to see. Also Uh, like devil all the time. I watched on it. Um,
0: Oh, I'm, I'm I'm sure. Oh no. We already discussed that. How um, dude, the last time I was at your place, we should (laughs) have, when we were testing the TV, we shouldn't have done triple frontier. We should have done devil all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, so like I said, I, I typically watch it upstairs just because I I prefer my sound setup because our TV downstairs just has a subwoofer and a sound bar and my TV upstairs has subwoofers a left a right and a center and you can hear the sound travel around the room. Um, I don't have my surround sound set up yet, which I can't wait to get, but. Um, but yeah, that's typ- typically that's the one I watch. Is I watch it upstairs. That way, I'm I'm away and kind of by myself, and it's easier not to get distracted during the
0: movie. Did you notice a remastering of the sound? Like did the, did they didn't they remaster it from like a stereo to a 5.1 mix?
1: Uh, I didn't notice a, uh, a difference in the sound. Again, the one downstairs is uh, typically not the one uh, that I watch on but the first two movies I did notice like there's scenes where uh, they have a guy talking and then they pan to someone else and he's talking from behind the camera and the, the angle that the sounds coming from changes and just like the Doppler effect takes place. Um, I've, I noticed, I remember there was a scene where uh, someone was in the middle of the screen and they started off writing to the right. And then the next shot, they're writing from the left going across the side of the screen and it, and it moved so the first two movies they did have the sound on more than just a like a mono it was like going around a setup
0: yeah i well i mean also like I, i'm sure the blu-ray is just the the automatic first choice would have been like the 5-1 remaster if they did do that I'm, which i'm sure they they, did, they
1: do they they do, I, I went to the audio preferences. they did have a 5.1 surround option, because I was like, oh, I want to see what the audio options are for this remaster. And they had, like, 5.1 English, and then, like, English, French, and German, and then, su- or maybe not German. Oddly enough, not Italian.
0: Oh, um, you did, do- okay, you did like, double check. I, see, we, we talked about that last week. I was curious if the Blu-rays had an Italian option.
1: I don't think think they did i never i don't remember seeing one
0: okay well i mean after i asked that i did think about it and it's funny because all three of these films i i kind of mentioned it in the other ones too but um they all the cast was either english spanish or italian so you couldn't just do a straightforward any language there's redubbing no matter what country you're watching it in so i guess it really doesn't matter (laughs) like (laughs) and just imagine imagine being on set like and it's said that they just did the movie straight through like people knew what the script was so it didn't matter what their language was so like clint eastwood walks up to somebody and just like says his line in english and then someone replies in italian or spanish and then he just instinctively knows like okay now i say this line like how funny would that be to be on the set just a completely bilingual like scene play out in front of you
1: <laughs> and you've got like uh like a german or like a, like a chinese director it's like there's like no communication on any front between anybody involved with this movie like everyone speaks a different language
0: oh dude yeah the clint eastwood's english and uh I, I Lee knew how to speak English, but that wasn't his first language. And Sergio is Italian, so he knows Italian as his first language and learned English and other languages to talk to people. Like, how crazy yeah. is that? Is so crazy, bizarre, like that that this was such a collaborative national effort, really, or global? I don't, yeah. Maybe that's a better word for it. But, um, but yeah. anyway, back to the actual like movie, movie. Like, um, what was the next thing that you wanted to like talk about? Some that stood out to you.
1: I was gonna say I was ready to hop to the the final scene.
0: Oh, not uh, you didn't want to talk about um, the anything with the Civil War specifically, like when they blow up the bridge, like when it's actually like with the soldiers.
1: Uh, yeah, we. I thought we touched on it earlier, but I guess we didn't. Um, oh, I no, but, we. I mean, we yeah, did. That, I didn't
0: know if you wanted to like deeper dive into it, like because I kind of wanted to talk about like how great the drunken captain was. Like that was when the movie was most blatantly the dr- on the, the nose. drunken the
1: drunken captain. The drunken captain is the best part of that of that chunk of the movie. Oh yeah, because he's very he's he's very much the stereotypical military leader that he's Lieutenant Dan. Like there's no way out of here except death. There's nothing except for suffering uh and this war is going to go on and on and you think you're going to have some sort of impact but you're not and it and the sooner you realize that the better your life will be. And it's like uh, they just want to cross the bridge, bro. Can you not have a mental breakdown?
0: Yeah, like more so than like um, more so than anything else. I completely agree. Like that was Sergio, like very on the nose, just like war is awful. The only way that these soldiers are getting through it to feel like they're doing something worthwhile is to just get loaded and then go kill each other. Like there is nothing well, else. I, more I th- thought of. Mm hmm. I I thought of
1: something that would be kind of interesting is what if instead of approaching either the Confederates or the uh, the Americans, what if they just like walked across the bridge without talking to either side? Like, would they have been bombarded? Would they have started another like attack? Like, what would have happened?
0: Well, they would have been they would have been apprehended by the Confederacy because they came from the north side and they would have been in another prison.
1: Oh, yeah. True. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> but yeah, I just, but, I just, I wanted. To, the other thing I thought was the thing. Or, yeah.
1: The thing that I thought was funny is like they show everyone clashing on the bridge, and I was just like, "My God, how are you gonna get across that thing?" And they're like, "We're gonna blow it up."
0: That was actually fifteen hundred extras. That's the beauty of movies this old is that when wow. you see a group of people that big, that is actually a group of that many extras.
1: <laughs> you know what that makes me think of? And it doesn't happen anymore because of how largely because of how poorly this movie did. Uh, Heaven's Gate.
0: Oh, my God. We need to do that for the show. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) I know very little about that movie. I think I've only seen one review for it, and it was the Cinema Snob review. That was a three part episode.
0: Dude, I've not seen it either. I've read many articles and essays about it because of how it literally bankrupted its studio, and <laughs> Criterion actually released. Uh... They
1: they killed a horse making it.
0: Yeah, the, the S- Criterion actually commissioned uh, the director to actually finish and like release like his full like. I think it's close to 4 hour director's cut of that finally but I remember at the time they they like compromised the cut and on top of it already costed so much money and then everybody hated it and it just it was literally like objectively the worst movie ever made at the time like before the room but man that was such a one of, that was such one a disaster
1: one of the things about that movie that stands out the most to me is in the review, there's a part where, because Christopher Walken's in that movie, apparently. Yeah. And I think he barges into a tent, pulls out a gun, and just shoots a guy. And it's like a bunch of military like heads. And the guy at the head of the table just stands up and goes, not in here. And he's like. <laughs> You're okay with that guy getting murdered, but just not in that tent. <laughs> like,
0: like either way, dude, that guy's still dead. Dude. Not that it's a, not that it's a big name, but for that to be our first Chris Christofferson film, that'd be such a treat. I'm going to go ahead and veto though, uh, that we do a comparison. Cause I don't want to watch six hours of heaven's gate <laughs> or I should well, say he fi- did, uh, or- he did deer hunter too, right? We didn't do deer hunter. No, I'm saying he did deer hunter. I believe so. Yes. I want to say yes with 90% confidence.
1: Cause another thing that they kept making fun of and they're like, you're kidding. The guy that directed the wedding scene from deer hunter directed this movie. Um, <laughs> I don't see it. Um, I I'd, I'd welcome watching heaven's gate or deer hunter, but back to, okay. So back oh, to deer moment. hunter too, is oh, there, t- man, sorry. <laughs> is, uh, is, is there anything else you want to talk about before we go to the final scene? Uh, but as like the, the wrap up before we do the Nicholas cage question.
0: Uh, no, I mean, obviously we don't have two hours to break it or even three hours to break down the whole movie. I've kind of made most of the points that I wanted to, that were like big
1: yeah. for me. So yeah. we have jobs. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, um the end of the movie obviously like we've said a couple times uh the most iconic part of the movie, the trilogy, the genre and actually one of the more iconic parts in movie history uh is actually very close to after they um they blow up the bridge, Clint and uh what's the guy's name? Uh Tuco, they uh they get across the river they um they are kind of going across and they get to like a bombed out chapel and they and clint sees a dying soldier and uh tuco's gonna like finds a horse for the soldier that's dying he finds a life horse and he's gonna run away and leave clint and he's gonna go because when they were setting up the explosives on the uh the bridge they were like oh well why don't we tell each other the thing and Tuco was the only one stupid enough to actually tell his half, like Clint Eastwood's like, I'm not actually telling you. Um, but they, um, they, Tuco's running away on a horse. Clint is, walks out and sees loaded cannons and lights, the fuses and starts shooting at Tuco. And the second shot where Tuco gets blown off the horse and like rolls into the cemetery, uh, you mentioned it earlier, is the spinning shot, but I've seen this. I have seen this shot so many times out of context because, like I've said, Metallica plays The Ecstasy of Gold as their intro song, but they actually play the clip. Like, you can hear in multiple recordings of live shows, like, You'll hear the dog that goes running by and yelp. You'll hear it like just like like just run by.
0: That dog was actually I've, that dog was actually improvised in the scene. Not to completely interrupt, but yeah, Sergio Leone didn't originally want the dog in that moment, but he decided like for some reason he thought it would have been a little melodramatic for him to just be running by himself. So he just told the someone on the set to let the dog go run out in the set with him.
1: <laughs> so I I've seen this. Out of context, I've lost count so many times that I've seen it. And, and like, this was, was and like, this is it's
0: happening. And this is when it's happening. and this is when Modello, the Modello ad music too. The
1: <laughs> yeah. So the the Ecstasy of Gold is The Ecstasy of Gold is a very well known song that no one knows the title of. Well,
0: it's the Modello song.
1: <laughs> so but So basically what happens is Tuco goes to, I think he was like, was it such like something Burton grave, grave, Tuco goes there and starts digging and uh, Clint Eastwood comes over and throws a shovel at him. And then Lee Van Cleef comes over and throws a shovel at him and he goes, you two digging will be quicker than just him. And he goes, well, he can dig, but he's not going to find anything in there. And they find out it's a, it's an unmarked grave. Or that there is an actual grave in the unmarked grave that just says unknown, or no, in the whatever guys, Some, Burton's grave. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs>
0: take take your take a breath. Take your time. <laughs> <Just> so excited.
1: <laughs> um, and then uh, they have the big standoff because uh, well, after they see it, their one's in there. They're all mad at uh, Clint Eastwood. He goes, "All right, I'm gonna write the name on the bottom of this rock." And he walks over there and he sets it on the ground and they have a standoff. Basically, whoever survives the standoff retrieves the rock, uh, goes over, smells what it's cooking and then goes and digs up the uh, the the grave with the money in it. And they have this incredibly tense standoff, fantastic swelling music. And like I said earlier, basically the smart thing to do is kill Lee Van Cleef because he's the quote-unquote bandit that's been following the two of them. And uh, if so they kill Lee Van Cleef, and then Tuco and uh, Clint Eastwood dig up... Uh, it's the grave marked unknown next to Burton's grave. Clint Eastwood, Clint
0: Eastwood said that what he was told was there there's an unknown grave I buried it next to it
1: no 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 it's uh, it's it's the guy's name and then it's the one marked unknown next to the one with the name
0: oh no yeah yeah no you're right you're right you're right yeah
1: so they um, they dig it up and him and Tuco are gonna split it and then he uh, Tuco goes to shoot him and he doesn't realize Clint Eastwood unloaded his gun, and I actually had a note. I was like, "Tuco, you moron! Like, you went to sleep. Why would you not wake up and check and make sure your gun was fully loaded before you started using it for the day?" Um, but uh, he has he has a uh, Tuco uh, stand up and um,
0: walk to a noose that Clint Eastwood like on, magically on the, do- made. On the
1: donkey. Yeah, he or no, the tombstone. He has him stand on the tombstone, and he wraps a noose around his neck, and he rides off. And Tuco's like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna sleep, I'm gonna fall, I'm gonna die," and then he shoots the uh, the rope from around his neck like he did all the time in the movie, and then the movie ends.
0: Dude, that was not to not to accuse you of underplaying anything. First, you all think that the tenseness in uh for a few dollars more was intense in the in that shootout. This one is, like, ten times even more just, like, almost want to rip your pillow in half if you're clenching a pillow. And then I actually thought the movie was going to end with him just leaving Tuco for dead. But then the fact that it calls back to him shooting the rope and letting him get away with his money after all. Like, part of me for a second thought that it was going to be a callback to uh, Shorty, and he just goes, this is for Shorty. And then just shoots him off the like shoots him off the tombstone and then he just well, he, hangs. He, and also, out. he also
1: says when two tu- when Tuco's like, I should get more money because I'm the one taking the risk, he goes, You take more money. I feel less confident in my shot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's that's maybe true. next time I miss the rope, maybe next time I shoot you.
0: That's true. Uh, that makes me feel bad for Shorty. Shorty's the chick in the bucket in this movie. That was uh that was sad.
1: Yeah. So what would your before we do the the Nick Cage question? What would your rank, ranking of the three movies be? From from best to worst. For because we we gave we gave all three of these sprinkles.
0: Uh, it. The, Both of us. It's easier than the Nick Cage question. Uh, for a few dollars more is easily my favorite one. Um, I'd say this one second, Good and the Ugly, because I can admire. Like there For the issues I do have with it, just the sheer boldness to be as big as it is sets it apart from Fistful for me, because Fistful is just really too simple. It's kind of too straightforward. Like it doesn't Fistful
1: do... is is not as ambitious. No, as... it's
0: it's like a it's like a pilot episode. Like it manages to avoid any western tropes or cliches like that are really egregious, but really like yeah. When you boil it down to its atoms, like it's a super familiar story. There's nothing really that unique about it outside of the music and the cinematography. It's 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 a, it's a it's the best version of like the simplest western story that you could possibly make. So that's why I put it last, is that it's the least creative. But the fact that it gave us these two movies, I mean, thank God it was actually a success when it came out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, my my ranking's the same. I go two, three, one. Um, funny enough, um, this this trilogy actually reminds me a lot of uh the original Star Wars trilogy.
0: Oh yeah, like, no, it it is the same rankings that we did for that. Yeah, five, yeah, six, like, five, six, four. It, yeah, it it
1: it peaks with the first sequel. The very first movie is very good, but it's not as good as the last two, and the eh. final movie is not as good as the second one.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say Star Wars is even very good. I'd say it's good. <laughs> Am I in a minority when I say that Star Wars A New Hope is actually not one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time?
1: <laughs> no, you're in the minority that you won't stop harping on it. Um, so, <laughs> the last... The last question that I have is the one that we do for every movie, Nicolas Cage. Who would you cast Nicolas Cage to be in this movie and why?
0: Oh, that's actually one of my notes. I know I know, I said I was only going to read a couple of them, to which was two, but <laughs> I guess this counts as my third note because I actually wrote it down. It's the drunk captain. and That's too perfect a to role for Nicolas Cage because he could draw from his experience from leaving Las Vegas if we sent him back in a time machine and just delivering that beautiful monologue about just being his spirit being broken by the burden of war. It's, it's too perfect for Nicholas cage and to be such great stunt casting for such an impactful moment. It's, it's, I think it's gotta be that. I, um, I would
1: actually agree. I think he'd be great as, uh, as the drunk captain. Um, I think another one that he'd be good as is one of Lee Van Cleef's henchmen, um, I I, but I swear think he'd be I thought much better. He'd be much better served as as the drunk captain.
0: One of his henchmen would be good. Uh, I <laughs> I swear I thought you're gonna say it was gonna be the guy with no legs that Lee talked to early in the movie. <laughs> nah,
1: man, that was actually I actually uh, thought that guy did very good.
0: Okay, well, make me look like the bad guy for. <laughs>
1: You are the bad guy. First, you're harping on Star Wars. Now you're harping on the guy with no legs.
0: Wow. Okay. Is this for going there? No. Ah <laughs> 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 uh, man. Um. Uh, yeah. I I read the only notes that I honestly think are worth reading on Mike. Um. And there's not really. Um. I mean, the, obviously this movie's long. There's not really much else I feel like we this... need to talk about.
1: So this, not really, this trilogy basically kind of worked out to be like our our own new mini series of episodes without actually deviating uh, from the normal episode structure. Just because the trilogy was so short that it's like, we can knock these three out really quick. (laughs) Um, Short.
0: This one was three hours long. (laughs) You you know how hard it was to find three hours to watch (laughs) this?
1: (laughs) Compared to Star Wars, we watched like 20 hours of movies, dude
0: that's true that's true short in terms of three movies versus this, nine
1: <laughs> this one was this one was closer to like seven or eight yeah. um but uh i'm i'm very glad we will finally watch them because this was like like you said this is a, a huge bucket list item for me of like or shameless for me of like i can't believe i've never seen these all the way through Um oh, dude, now i can say, say I, I have say, yeah. i've i will i can't wait to watch any of them again um and don't worry. I know that we, I know that Westerns are a niche. Don't worry. We're not doing Westerns for a while. Uh, Yeah. All of our Westerns are kind of on the back burner for now. (laughs) Yeah. We, we, we binged hard on this just to get through all these three movies because they were so good. Um, but yeah, this is, this was really, really like, like, like we've talked about 2020 obviously is a very tough year. And we talked about in our last review, um, October was not that miserable in terms of doing the show despite the new releases because of watching these three movies
0: yeah it's it's yeah it was it's wor- it was so worth watching this honestly like when you said we're doing all three of these in a row my first thought was oh okay we can't space these out but honestly I regret having that thought and I'm very very thankful you made me watch all three of these in three weeks because this was awesome this was an so- awesome
1: trilogy so now you're even worse, picking on Star Wars, picking on the guy with with no legs, and getting mad at me for making us watch three sprinkles in a row.
0: Hey, at the time I thought, oh my god, we're doing three Clint Eastwood westerns in a row. But honestly, like, this was this was so worth it, and I ate my words with no hot sauce or condiments, just a raw boiled nasty shoe. It's this was such a eat great... it, <laughs> eat the food. My only crit- my only extra critique is. Amazon Prime, what the hell are you doing? You have the first two on Prime Video, but I had to pay for the third one? Screw you. Thank you for that.
1: Damn, you fat lard. Come get some dinner.
0: <laughs> Even though, yes, the $4 were kind of worth it. But I, it's in principle, I disagree. Come on, make the whole trilogy available. Damn it.
1: <laughs> this better be the best beer I've ever had.
0: You got You're lucky. lucky. pretty much i mean mean, yeah pretty much (laughs) ah god damn okay uh any other last closing thoughts i'm kind of tapped out with this no that's it right on well let's go ahead oh actually wait one one last thing one last thing there's
1: actually a mandalorian commercial on and it rem- and it reminds me, I remember very early on you made the point of the Mandalorian is very obviously uh, spaghetti Western set in space. And yeah, I after watching all three of these movies, I very much understand what you're getting at now.
0: Oh, yeah. I hadn't even watched these movies when Mandalorian season one came out. But Cause, like I knew because
1: the because Ma- the Mandalorian literally is a man with no name. <laughs> Like it's literally like, what if we did this but in space?
0: And there's an iconic whistle in the music too. But like, but with the Mandalorian, it's the doo doo do, doo do, doo do, doo 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 doo, and then it's the whistle in these movies.
1: Also, speaking of the Mandalorian, Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> Kelsey <laughs> went to the store the other day and found Baby Yoda cereal. It tastes like kicks, but with marshmallows. It's really good.
0: You ought to look on the box and see if it's from the same parent company that just dyed it a different color. <laughs>
1: Dan, when I'm eating, I said kicks, not tricks, but uh, I, okay, I don't. Um, okay, I don't, know what, I, too, okay, I don't eating, know what. Okay, admittedly, I don't. When I'm eating are. breakfast, just like little yellow corn balls. Like, oh, okay. Anyway. Um, uh, Anyway, my point is, when I'm awake at six fifteen in the morning and I'm eating cereal before I go into work, uh, my first concern is not who's the parent company.
0: I'm not saying do that in the morning. It's, I'm just saying how do I just, get
1: this in my how do I get this in my face so that way I can get in the shower quicker and be warm.
0: You could you could just Google the box like now when we're done taping, or I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to do it when you're we're eating tape, it.
1: We're taping now. I can't do that. Well, after. How often do you think I have the box of cereal in my hand? How fat do you think I am?
0: <laughs> that just escalated so quickly. Next week's week, Brandy Bites escal-
1: op-ed topic. How fat does Dan think Nick is?
0: escalates <laughs> <like> so quickly. <laughs> how often do you think I have this box, Dan? Is it because you think I'm bad? Do you think I eat cereal all the time because you think I'm fat? Like... <laughs>
1: Next week, you're like, you are the person I think the plastic trays for carrying food at the movie theater are intended for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's go to the outro. <laughs> I'm
0: trying really hard to stop laughing. Uh, all right. Well, on that note, <laughs> that is our thoughts on now the whole Mammoth No Name trilogy. We're going to take a brief break and then we'll let you know what we got coming up on the next episode. I'll be right back. Alright everybody, that is it for another episode of Brownie Points. Thank you so much for Isla Marfina Fugue and Nick for your guitar solo before this and every one of your Time Machine reviews. Thank you so much, everybody. So, what we got coming at you next week? Fuga. Ah, I stopped I stopped at the right time that time. <laughs> uh what we got coming at you next week? Uh another film on streaming. Uh, Yeah, sorry guys, we haven't been making too much of an effort to go back to the theaters, but uh, yeah, blame the studio. Just because the theaters are open doesn't mean there's anything that uh, we're going out of our way to see, because there's nothing. So we're going to be staying at home, and we're going to be using Apple TV Plus for the first time since July. This time for the new Sofia Coppola film, On the Rocks. It stars Bill Murray, their first film together since Lost in Translation. It's also got Rashida Jones from parks and recreation the trailers look really funny and we both have apple tv plus and i'm always the one that looks for new movies so that's what we're going to be doing next week so uh get your apple tv plus uh hooked up and uh join us for that film nick you're picking the time machine remind everybody where we're going to be going
1: what if I just sat there in like a long, prolonged silence like I did at the beginning of the episode? Like, oh, you yeah, have to introduce the movie, but you told me I hadn't introduced the movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, back on subject. Uh, we are going to go to 1991. We're going to watch the Robert De Niro version of Cape Fear. Uh, this is kind of my way of making up for not picking a horror movie. Yeah, I get it. It's not like a traditional horror movie, but it's like a thriller, stalker horror movie. Uh, and That's close, That's close enough to never outright seen horror. seen this. Yeah, it's pro- it, honestly, it's probably closer to horror than Snakes on a Plane was. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's but fair. But <laughs>
1: I've, I've never seen either ver- this version or either version of the Cape Fear movie. Um, so I'm very interested to see it because it seems very interesting and awesome.
0: This is the second outro we've taped, and you once again forget to mention that Marty Scorsese directed this movie.
1: <laughs> At least I'm not going to swear when you say it this time. <laughs> the uh the massive the massive dump episode outro we recorded before this and uh dan was like it's a marty scorsese movie and i was like
0: no way yeah but you didn't just say no way <laughs> uh but yeah
1: it, it's a sentence enhancer
0: uh but yeah it's uh robert de niro um Oh, I don't have the rest of the cast in front of me, but uh, who cares? Robert De Niro, that should be enough for you to watch this. Uh, it is on Netflix. If uh, Sorry, I forgot if you mentioned it or not. That is where Cape Fear is currently streaming. And again, On the Rocks is the new film on Apple TV+. Plus. Nick, remind everybody where they can reach out to us on social media in the meantime
1: facebook brownie points guide to cinema instagram brownie underscore points underscore guide and twitter at brownie underscore cinema as well as brownie points guide to cinema at gmail.com make sure you send us uh, brownie bites ideas whether they are countdown topics op-ed topics or trailers review or uh, brownie or time machine movies or new releases whether they are in theaters at home streaming or rental also, make sure you leave us five-star reviews wherever you're listening us to uh, To us on. It's the best way to help us get through algorithms and really boost us and help us reach more people.
0: Yes, please, please let your friends know. Let anybody know if they have any interest in movies that we are always going to be in yours and their ears. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com, and all major podcasting platforms. Uh, By the time you guys are hearing this, because we always take these early, uh, it's a big week in America. It's our elections. Uh, If your guy won, congrats. If your guy lost, we are genuinely sorry. Uh, We're not a show about politics, but it would be remiss of us to not acknowledge that that is happening in the real world while we talk about movies. And Same with the coronavirus still going on as well. Uh, No matter who's in that White House, we still all live in this country together. We're all still getting through this pandemic together. So with that on top of everything else, just like I always say, be kind, be considerate, open your ears, your heart, wear your mask, wash your hands. And no matter what, guys, we're going to get through this. Just especially now... It's election week, especially now. We're in this together. We're in this together and everything is going to be all right as long as we help each other. So with that, that is all we got for you on this episode. We'll see you next week. So since we're not
1: doing a Western next week, we're going to record the entire next episode while spinning lassos above our head and make you guys really bummed out that we don't have a, a video component of the show.
0: Oh, I just bought a 10-gallon hat for nothing. That's right.
1: (laughs) Well, after... How often do you think I have the box of cereal in my hand? How fat do you think I am?
0: Just escalated next week's Brand Bites
1: op-ed topic. How fat does Dan think Nick is?
0: (laughs) Escalates so quickly.